Welcome to Episode 9 of the Patient Safety Podcast. This series is brought to you with the support of W21C in the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Calgary. In this episode, Drs. Sunita Chaco and Trevor Chan describe their work on a project they call Conversations Matter. This QI, or Quality Improvement Project, looks at the important issue of advanced care planning and Trevor and Sunita's efforts to increase doctors' observance of planning procedures at the Foothills Medical Center in Calgary, Alberta. Sunita and Trevor learned about PDSA, or Plan, Do, Study, Act cycles, and other quality improvement tools as part of a course in patient safety and quality management they completed in spring of 2013. I'll give you some more information about the course they took at the end of this episode. In addition to my regular reminder that you can find out more about our podcast authors or look up any material referenced in this or any other episode on our website, I'll let you know that Trevor and Sunita's poster presentation on their project can be found at www.patientsafetypodcast.com. And now, Sunita Chaco and Trevor Chan. Hi there, I'm Trevor. And I'm Sunita. And we're both family physicians at the Foothills Hospital. And we're going to talk to you today about our little QI project called Conversations Matter. Our QI project is about advanced care planning. And advanced care planning is a dynamic process that involves discussions, relationships, and understanding the disease process, as well as other legal documents such as advanced directives, personal directives, and power of attorney. What we try to highlight is advanced care planning as a process rather than as a singular event. And oftentimes, physicians, patients, families can confuse advanced care planning with a goal of care designation. And what we want to highlight is the importance of advanced care planning as a process that involves the physician, the patient, the family, early discussions prior to acute illness. And also other healthcare providers as well. And ongoing conversations that change over time. Advanced care planning has become increasingly important and Trevor and I personally have experience with patients where we've seen it come to the forefront. As the population ages, we see increasingly complex comorbid disease in elderly patients, chronic diseases, and we often see these patients hospitalized and requiring intense forms of resuscitation or aggressive care that may or may not fit with what they've wanted for themselves. Lots of studies have shown that there's a discordance between what patients perceive that they want in terms of care and what physicians and other healthcare providers perceive that the patients want. And in the face of increasing technologies, advanced technologies in the hospital, it becomes a balancing act between what can we offer patients and when they want to move towards comfort type measures or medical type measures rather than aggressive resuscitative type measures. And navigating that as a healthcare provider can sometimes be quite difficult. You know, I spent few years working with the critical care departments in the hospital with the outreach program, so emergencies, inpatients who are having 
difficulties our team would be called. And a lot of the times you're making these very big decisions at three in the morning. The patient is acutely ill and it's not the best time to make decisions. You know, this whole advanced care planning is also meant to be as a preparation for when people get to that stage in life so that those decisions are easier because it's hard enough when a loved one you know may be dying and so I think that this is the critical part of advanced care planning is that it's a dynamic thing but it takes it into account that a patient's situation is ever evolving and you know communicates when they're able to communicate rather than when they have you know a tube down their throat and can't communicate anything. So this is the context that drove Trevor and I to look into advanced care planning further. We work in a service of approximately 30 inpatient physicians who are all family doctors. Our patient population is largely geriatric and we encounter these discussions on an everyday basis whether it is at an appropriate or inappropriate time. In proceeding with the patient safety and quality course, what we wanted to look at was how to improve the process of advanced care planning. So we started by having a number of meetings with various stakeholders who are involved in advanced care planning. And we started with one of the members of the provincial framework because there's a lot of work at the provincial level right now looking into advanced care planning as a process. And Dr. Jessica Simon was a great mentor for us because she's done a lot of work within advanced care planning. And she led us through the process as it stands right now. So in the zone, what we have for every patient that comes into an acute care site is a green sleeve. And the green sleeve is a folder that goes onto every patient chart and it's populated by a number of forms. One of these forms is a goal of care designation sheet. The goal of care designation form, it lets the physician and healthcare providers know what the resuscitative care level is. It can be R1, R2, that's a resuscitative level. M1, M2 would be medical care level. But excluding intensive care and C1, C2 would be comfort care, and we look at those in the palliative realm. It is also populated with a form called the goal of care tracking tool. What this is meant to do is to capture the various discussions that have been had around advanced care planning. And this is a living document that follows the patient in and out of hospital so that if you see the patient in hospital, you have a discussion and you document it, then the patient goes home or to a long-term care facility, their health care provider in that facility or that care environment knows how the advanced care plan has evolved. But also on their end, that they can provide ongoing discussions and guide hospital workers and hospital care teams it's a definitely a two-way street. So. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to reflect that dynamic nature of advanced care planning. We know that conversations happen over time. We know from national work that's been done in this area that documenting that conversation is a really important part to the continuity. But what we found in our site through discussions with Jessica Simon and our site leader, Dr. Peter Jameson, 
and nursing managers when we started looking at units on which we could roll a project out is that in fact the uptake of this form was very, very poor. Physicians and healthcare providers didn't fully understand the intent behind the form and why it was important to the process. And then to be honest, you know, even Sunita and myself, before talking to Jessica, we weren't really familiar with the tracking tool at all ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we said, well, if we don't know, let's talk to our colleagues. We did a focus group beforehand and just to kind of gauge what sort of awareness or attitudes were out there regarding the tracking tool. Not surprisingly, it mirrored our own experience in that most people didn't realize that this tracking tool was different than the goals of care that they're so used to doing. So we developed what we thought would be a short PDSA cycle for over a four-week period on one of the inpatient care units, and we worked closely with those stakeholders to try to improve how this form was used. The first objective was to find out, are these green sleeves being used and are they on the charts? And then also to what degree they're being used. We would go into the chart and do a chart audit on a pre-selected unit that was heavy in hospitalist patients. And we just sort of counted what percentage of these charts have the green sleeve and then what percentage of these charts have up-to-date tracking tools. So on the chart, there's a column that can signal that patients are close to being discharged. And so these people, we focused further and said, do these people have these tracking tools completed as a subset? Because you know these are the people that are most likely to transition back to the community. They have the most value in terms of having a completed tracking tool. What we're trying to do with looking at patients closer to discharge is capture that the conversation has gone on and can move into the community. As part of our study, the first thing was to make sure that the tracking tool was on the chart for every patient. So that involved talking to the manager and then getting the unit clerks to ensure that every single chart was populated with a tracking tool. Then we also had education sessions for the hospitalists both at a business meeting and then also at a separate educational event that was put on by Dr. Simon. Throughout the project, we had one of our nurse liaisons uh, basically put a stamp into the chart to remind the physicians to complete it. Also, we had our site leader put out an email just to endorse the project and you know, explain the relevance of it. And then we also put a chart on the unit and also on our office just to give visual feedback as to how is the project going. With that in mind, uh, we performed the audit. We'd go into the unit Mondays and Thursdays, we'd pull all the charts and see you know, what percentage of the charts had the tracking tool, and then what percentage of the charts had up-to-date tools, and then again, the ADOD, which are the people who are close to discharge, what percentage of those people had completed tracking tools. Initially, when we collected charts on the unit, there was zero advanced care planning tracking tools completed that were up to date. And what that tells us is that physicians might be A, unaware of them, B, see them as having limited importance, or C, just unclear as to where they fit into the whole picture of advanced care planning. 
our colleagues were very diligent in putting in goals of care designations. They were probably having these conversations, but they weren't documenting them, and they weren't recognizing the importance of documenting these conversations. They were likely documenting them in the MD chart notes, but not particularly on this form that follows the patient. And so it's not only having the discussion, but documenting it in a uniform place on a form that works throughout the zone and throughout the province. So that was important in terms of our baseline data because it tells us where we're coming from and how much work there is to do in the area. Initially, we only had about 60% of the charts with tracking tools on them. And what we were able to do with you know, getting the unit clerk specific in-service education, we were able to raise that to almost 100% and then there's a little bit of a drop-off after the intervention, which is not unexpected. But I mean, that's the first step. In terms of the actual number of people who had completed and up-to-date tracking tools, not surprisingly, we started off at 0%. So over the first two weeks, we didn't really get a lot of uptake despite our interventions. And so what we did was we just continued on throughout the project. We rolled out you know, our different interventions. So for instance, at the very start, we had an educational intervention. A week later, we had uh, Jessica Simon present on advanced care planning. Half a week later, we would put the poster up, and so there's visual feedback. And then another two weeks later, we had leadership intervention with our site lead discussing the importance of the project. After the four weeks, when we looked back on the data, what we saw was that the education that we had done initially with our group didn't really show any change. And then when we had expert advice from Dr. Simons, who's a palliative care physician and who produced some of the evidence around advanced care planning, we had an increase in the uptake. And then after our site lead was involved and highlighted the importance of the project, we had another surge in the completion of the forms. What was interesting is also that, you know, with the educational intervention, only about a third of our physicians were present. And so if you were able to get the whole group on board with that education, we probably would have gotten even more response in terms of the uptake of the completion. But, you know, I think we got as high as 37% of the, the charts with updated tracking tools. Focusing in on the subpopulation of people who are close to discharge, we did even better. We almost had you know, three quarters at the end of charts that were identified as being close to discharge being up to date in terms of their tracking tool completion. So we thought that was actually you know, the most important indicator and, that, and it showed the, obviously the, the highest rate of success in terms of our intervention. If we talk about what our small project showed, we can break it up into three different domains. The first is that we identified a number of system infrastructure and process problems. So if you have a form that is meant to populate every chart of every patient that comes into the hospital, but the form is not on the chart, that is an immediate barrier to it being completed. So the unit clerk education became really important because that falls into their role. 
similarly, within the green sleeve is a folder, and the feedback we got from our physicians was it's often very cumbersome even to just get in that folder and get the sheet and fill it out and then insert it back into that folder. I think there's some redundancy within the process itself because as we had mentioned, the conversation is already happening. It is happening, but it's not being documented in a uniform place. And so if a physician sees a patient, has a discussion, and documents it in one part of the chart, in their mind, it's done, but it's not going to the right form. And so the redundancy there is something that we think needs to be addressed. So form design, how the form is delivered, where it sits in the chart, these are all structural issues, process issues that we identified. The second domain is that of leadership engagement. And within our PDSA, we noted the greatest increase in uptake of the form after we got physician leadership involvement. And this has been seen across QI realms. As soon as you involve physician leaders, you have better engagement. And that was certainly reflected here. The third domain is education, because we feel that education really drives engagement. Physicians respond to evidence, and they respond to proof really that advanced care planning is important and that it makes a difference in terms of patient satisfaction and patient outcomes. And when we provided that, we saw a real change in the uptake of using the form. Moving forward, when we reflected on future directions, we really felt that within the system as it stands right now, there are things that we can use to make the process more efficient. We have a number of you know, recommendations to follow up on. So I think the most exciting, to me at least, was the prospect of these structural changes that we'd highlighted. And so we're going to pursue things like potentially putting the, the tracking tool on our electronic order system, the Sunrise Clinical Manager. The other big point is trying to improve the multidisciplinary nature of advanced care planning. So we know that physicians have a number of other responsibilities and they're not necessarily the most expert people to be having these discussions so involving nursing care social workers uh, allied health professionals on the unit that makes it a much more holistic and complete process and so we're trying to look at ways to improve the support of allied health care professionals in the process in summary what we identified and what we have learned as physicians ourselves is the importance of the process of advanced care planning, how intricate that process actually is, how many layers it has, and how many areas it has for improvement. That was Trevor Chan and Sunita Chako describing their quality improvement project on advanced care planning called conversations matter. As mentioned in the intro, our authors completed their project as part of the requirements for a certificate course they completed in patient safety and quality management. This course, delivered through a partnership of W21C and the Health Quality Council of Alberta, is certified through continuing medical education at the University of Calgary. The course is designed for healthcare professionals who want to expand their working understanding of concepts in patient safety and quality management and learn from experts in the field. In its fourth year, starting September 2013, the seven-month course is delivered through a combination of in-person and online sessions. 
and culminates with course participants presenting their projects to an open audience in the spring at the University of Calgary. During the course, students are matched with mentors who are experienced in doing patient safety related quality improvement and research in order to help enhance the student's learning and apply the concepts taught in the course. To find out more about the course, its content, and the course faculty, please visit www.patientsafetycourse.ca. One last reminder to visit patientsafetypodcast.com to find materials referenced in this episode. Remember, you can find all our episodes for download there or from w21c.org, or you can subscribe to the series for free from iTunes. Also, email feedback, comments, or suggestions for our series to w21cedu at ucalgary.ca. Thanks for listening. Thank you.